We are Pro Cannabis Media. All right, welcome back to the second hour of Green Rush Live here at the world headquarters of Pro Cannabis Media, Clinton, Massachusetts. And if you don't know where Clinton is, just ask Google. It's in Massachusetts. It's a long way away from where Josh is talking to us. And now we're going to bring in Doug Miller from New Jersey as well. Uh, hello, Doug. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? Very good. Uh, tell us a little bit about your adventures in cannabis in New Jersey, because uh, as I continue to chit chat with you, I'm, I find out more and more. And for to me, the most impressive thing is you're a, you're an accomplished chef. Yeah, I went to culinary school right after high school. I graduated from the Philadelphia Restaurant School. Um, my last chef job, I was fortunate. I worked for the NFL. I used to be a chef for all the talent that does all the TV shows. And uh, and that was the job that I said, you know what? This is an awesome chef job, and I'm going to make it my last one. And I'm never going to clock in and out of another like job again. And I stuck to my word. So it's been it's been great. But yeah, I was a chef for over a decade and I worked at some nice places and exclusive country clubs, the NFL. So I I had fun. Now, is it in are we ready to do infused cooking, Doug? Well, I've been doing infused cooking well over 20 years. So it's uh it's just comes natural to me. I was making brownies 20 years ago. And then uh how I really got into the cannabis industry big is unfortunately my mom had colon cancer and uh she was actually one of the first hundred patients in New Jersey with the cannabis license back then in 2015-16, right when it started. The dispensary was right around the corner from my house. There was just one, it was compassionate science. Now it's called Cure Leaf and there's tons of them everywhere but uh i had the caregiver card very early so i knew all the recreational walls and or the medicinal walls and everything and uh and i was making my mom's food with uh butter obviously and it did help she would tell the doctors it was the only thing that helped and she was pretty much anti-cannabis her whole life never drank was very healthy she had crohn's really bad and it just developed into colon cancer and uh unfortunately she passed and then after she passed i said you know it, it really helped her big time so let me take it to the next level and I started messing with extractions and other things and I've gone on I made an oil that stops seizures so I work with doctors all over the country and I'm more than happy to send it to anybody home it's just something that helps and it uh it's awesome that it even works so I've been doing a lot of different things and I just love the industry inside and out yeah it it, yeah, it really is is amazing the people that you meet at these trade shows. And Josh, by the way, is going to MJ BizCon in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. And I I wrote my uh, dear Chris letter uh, today and, and told him that I would not be making the trek to uh, Vegas this year. And I'm disappointed, but I will get to see my son and still teach my class. And uh, it's that Wednesday that if I could just snap my fingers and show up there and then snap my fingers and get back, that would be great. It ain't going to happen. There's no snapping of the fingers anymore because of my fingers. You wrote and the wrong person. You wrote Chris Walsh instead of Chris Kringle. Yeah, right. Exactly. And there is a difference. I know there is a difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, um, Doug, I want to get back to the cannabis in New Jersey world. Sure. Okay? Uh, it's now legal to have adult use and adult use dispensaries in New Jersey. Uh, how Correct. vibrant is the market? How competitive is it to get those licenses? And are mm -hmm. you starting to see some 
more normalization of acceptance of the product in your backyard? So I'll answer the last question first. Um, definitely starting to get more acceptance. I mean, we have we have Cure Relief is sponsoring sports teams in town and uh, pretty much everybody around is just perfectly fine with it as long as you're not really consuming in front of children, which you shouldn't be anyway. And uh, yeah, so it's definitely way more relaxed. Um, as far as competition, we have dispensaries popping up all over. Obviously, the big money corporations had the first first off. Uh, dips at them because they had the money it cost a lot but people are starting to get into it a lot more there's a couple of dispensaries has opened up actually the town next to me just had a meeting last night their zoning meeting to have two more dispensaries so they are popping up all around and as soon as that happens places like cure relief because i don't want to talk bad but their product isn't the greatest they've actually been it's funny in new jersey they don't really hold anybody to standards if the state comes in and you're in violation they just tell you to correct it they've been in violation over a dozen times for selling moldy product and they just oh. can't get it right and the problem the problem is there and i explained it from day one and it's very busy i live around the corner there's a line around the door and it's a, it's a corporation they're more worried about turning over the money and they do have a very fast turnover and it's funny it's called cure relief and they totally don't cure it properly it's the one thing that they do not do and it leads to major issues and uh yeah it's it is what it is, but they'll, they're either going to have to get their act together real soon or they're going to get phased out, even though they're very big. But people will stop going because their flower is just not up to bar, to be honest. Josh, and yet, as I say, and yet people line out the door in Florida <laughs> for cookies that sells more in one store than the entire rest of the state for flour that I had in Nevada that was trash. I bought like an $80 blunt. Um, and it was garbage and people are just going because of the brand. And so it, yes and no, I think it kind of depends on if the brand can pull people in the, there was a $30 ounce I bought on 420. I opened it up and I thought it was moldy and I, I pulled out a microscope and it was spider mites. So that's still happening in Washington state. Um, it's going to happen in other places. It's, it's ridiculous. And eventually, I think the only thing that's going to really, you know, weed these people out is legalization. I think they're going to stick around until they're truly forced out of business. No, I can't disagree with that either, because uh, they make so much money. Well, the, the money part, honestly, it depends because like Cure Relief has multiple buildings, but people don't understand the cost of the operation. So you're talking a big corporation, and if they really wanted to do it right, they would cure it right. They would have a whole building just for curing and that whole process. But clearly, the money is more important than the patients, and they make that choice. And I think as we go down the road and better places pop up and you have way more options and the price comes down a little bit, I think they either have to get it back together or they'll get phased out. But right now, like I said, they're, they just kill it because of the location where it's at. They were one of the first and they just have a big operation going on so they can handle tons of people. Mm -hmm. The uh, um, There's no home grow in New Jersey yet, correct? No, no, you can't do anything like that. And, and, uh, what kind of standards or regulation you said they come in they inspect and they just tell you hey get it right don't they're not being fined right yeah it's uh it's 
quite crazy. No, in New Jersey and a lot of the states, they just write these regulations and things, and no one really follows anything. It's just like if they want to find them, they can. But around here, they just tell them, like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And then they just do it again because nobody's really implementing anything. There's really no border. Like, uh, you, you heard uh, Tara Masu. I mean, she even spoke at the uh, convention, and she does a lot of great things in New Jersey. She was one of the first people. She helped write the regulations. And you heard her even say it. It's terrible. It's terrible. They need to get it up to date. And they really need people that understand, like herself, but they need more people like that that can really get it together and make it right where that the industry cracks down on these things and really does real testing because it's so crazy if you send you can send the same product out to three different labs you'll get three different results depending on what machines they use so it's just very very it's a gray area and a big big market so that and i'm guessing that the legacy market is flourishing then in new jersey oh yeah just definitely i mean the industry how does somebody compete with a legal product versus the fact that if they know the legal product uh, is produced by this group over here and the illegal product is produced by these guys over here uh, and it's less expensive and it doesn't have mold on it. <laughs> to me. Honestly, the, uh, the underground market is just as big, if not bigger than the recreational dispensary market for that reason the prices are crazy it's like 60 dollars for an eighth they want to charge you like 60 dollars for a half a gram for a cartridge it's not even that great and uh it's just crazy what they do and of course people go there because it's convenient or it's fun to go to a dispensary but at the end of the day you can't go spending 60 dollars for an eighth and it's not that great you're going to find it for 40 dollars and you know and it's better it's it's crazy but like i said as places start popping up the dispensaries will get it together and, and grow better product and the prices will come down it's just so new right now that it's just one of them things that happened in california and colorado in the beginning you know you walked in and the prices were expensive and now you go out there and they're practically giving it to you it's crazy so okay. it's just but, one of them things but you guys are both numbers guys Okay, mm -hmm. not something those numbers go right over my the top of my head. Um, but so my but what we're watching is the open market, right? We're, we're looking at um, supply and demand and and then legal and illegal. Mm -hmm. And I have never found. Look, if you've been using cannabis for 30 or 40 years, that whether it's legal or not is really not was never the thing that that uh, made you afraid to do it right absolutely yeah exactly you were doing it regardless i honestly been using since i was 15 it was the only thing i realized that helped my allergies immediately i never wasn't a big drinker i still don't drink ever and uh, i just don't like alcohol it makes you feel like crap the next morning you know you're not productive and you're not in control you're not getting in your car and driving home safely so i just never liked it and uh, like i said the cannabis helped my allergies so i was like wow this is amazing and yeah never stopped my whole thing when i was younger i was like man am i not stop this when i get older at some point and grow up and then it started to become legal and i was like this is so great like this is no, you just time. you got to find a <laughs> cannabis lounge or a cannabis cafe to to start working at being a chef having the uh, black market proliferate as much as it is that a home grow i'm assuming as strong as it is are they going to be able to go into a cannabis cafe and spark their own or is it going to be this thing where you got to go to cure leaf and buy theirs and go to their cafe 
do you are you keeping track of the cannabis cafe bills and how that's going to roll out uh yeah they're supposed to try to open one in atlantic city they're trying to thrive the cannabis industry just because the casino industry down there is just really hurt and they need money they need any kind of income they can get it's funny because in vegas they kick you out if you if you're smoking the blunts or whatever well (laughs) you can't go inside the casino but the town itself is welcoming as much cannabis activity so they're trying to open a lounge down there and as far as being strict about where you get your cannabis no one really cares you just basically pay whatever your cover is to get in and you're gonna consume buy there do whatever and and uh it is what it is but mm-hmm. yeah i don't think they're gonna be that concerned with where exactly just that no one really pays no mind i mean i have the medical card and nobody asks anything really are they pretty open in new jersey in terms of how you're going to make revenue because in washington state we've been fighting this uphill battle on trying to get that and the, there's been um you know lobbyists at like every step of the way like anti-lobbyists and then the indoor smoking lobbyists mm-hmm. impaired you know impaired driving or whatever all these issues but then when you get beyond regulatory stuff you run into like standard business issues like how do you make money <laughs> you know like normal stuff so you know we were going to do the the um uh not co-op model but um a membership model it's a lot more conservative and, and that would just kind of open the doors. But Colorado, other places, they wanted you just kind of the standard, like just business license model <laughs> where you're just like a regular business and uh, kind of the Dutch coffee shop model where it's just social use, come in, do your thing rather than this temporary license. It's a pop up. You're here, you're gone or um, for tourism. You know, it's, these are for locals, kind of the heart and soul of the community by looking at, you know, these these coffee shops and how benign they are will kind of really just allow for a lot more movement, I think. Where are you seeing the cannabis cafes? What's going to be your involvement and how can people make money? Hey, we were at a cannabis cafe that night, that Saturday night, at least, you know, maybe not an official one, right? Exactly. But, uh, and I think you're going to start seeing them popping up and and cannabis type parties. I mean, uh, uh, Kim, Kim is a, has has the um 420 friendly um rental house thing i can't even think of what they're called but uh she has that going on kim b i mean you just see so many other things rolling out in the cannabis industry and just expanding and i always say to people doing it for a while everyone just wants to have a dispensary like it, they seem like the dispensary is like the end all be all and to me that was like the one thing i never wanted to have it seems like there's so many regulations laws headaches this that yeah they make money and it's great there's a million ways to make the actual money in the in the industry if you're smart about it and you were saying that before like uh josh how how do people make money and yeah it's a very flooded industry and people think they're going to walk in the industry and just make millions because it's a billion dollar industry and they just they don't understand it's it's cut through you gotta you have to make a lot of connections you have to get out there and talk to people be at the conventions and really really i mean it's one of the industries like you really have to be out there hardcore it's it is it's it's a new industry there's a lot of opportunity but it's a very tough industry and people don't understand that and there's a lot of overhead because of all your licensings and regulations and every time you turn around they're hitting you with a fee for this a fee for that it's just crazy you know what i mean they want to inspect this and it just gets crazy so 
I yeah. hope I, I apologize if you guys just heard a Harley Davidson go by my <laughs> my apartment. It's okay if you didn't. Um, the, the the largest and oldest legacy uh, operator in the town that I'm in is my next door neighbor, and he drives a Harley. I'm not going to name names here, but he's a great guy. All right, let's just say that. Um, the 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 cannabis cafe guys, you know, and Josh, you mentioned Las Vegas. I do not believe that they are going to be operational in time for MJ BizCon yep. in a couple yeah. of weeks. Am I right? They're, yeah. they, they're open. They have the yeah, um, the new Woo. I think has been open for a couple of years, as a matter of fact. But uh, even before, it was like, yeah, I don't know what the what the rules or regulations were. But now that it's open, there's at least three that I'm going to go and visit during MJ BizCon and do a little review on it cool have you been to planet 13 yes yeah I, I, that's quite the experience so let's just say um and uh and doug have you ever been out to mj biscon i have not been out there actually and i was supposed to go multiple times and every time i'm supposed to go something pops up where i have to go somewhere else but it is what it is and i'll uh i'll definitely get out there because yeah. i know it's a great time it's a it's it's overwhelming in many ways, but uh, it it certainly it is uh, everything that the show uh, Friday and Saturday was uh, to the probably one hundredth degree. I was going to say times a million, maybe. A mil but, well, yeah, uh, close somewhere <laughs> in between a hundred and a million. Okay, yeah. how's that? But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's just that atmosphere out there, and every show out there is like the champ show. You you could break that champ show up into two different conventions because you just can't possibly even go through everybody. It's just insane. It's it's huge. Can we can we talk a little bit about the curate product? Sure. Because uh, I know we actually have some B roll that I shared with Dan that uh, kind of had that booth that your your products were at. Can we talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how that is and? And uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk to Mimi, but that's all right. I can I can speak for her. I know you can. I know you can. <laughs> tell me about that product, though. So, ready? So, Curate, we developed, uh, I'll tell you a long story short, how me and Mimi even began to meet. Now, Mimi actually has the very first uh, trademark in the country for CBD. She was awarded for her Feeling Fine, Fabulous, her products, her healthcare line. And, uh, and we basically did the white label for be relaxed she we did all that for them and that's who we were helping out at the show that we saw and we also had our products and uh but um yeah she's been in the industry forever and uh she started out in the vape industry and she was white labeling for some of the biggest companies that do the vape the nicotine vape throughout the country and the world and uh so then that industry completely fell apart in new jersey and we had to pivot and we had this opportunity we actually looked into starting a testing lab and uh because we have one of the, a state certified lab it's one of the only ones in new jersey and um but are they so, enforcing what they find no, in those labs that, no you don't even need it we realized that we didn't even need the lab to make anything so oh, we have this beautiful lab that's set up and yeah it's all good it's we know everything's safe so it's fine with us and uh and we have the ability to just make whatever we want and people and when you do white labeling people like to know that it's a nice clean safe lab so it's not coming out of our kitchen you know so that's a big benefit but uh yeah so we were 
we were doing, we were going to try to set up a testing lab and then in New Jersey, the walls just kept getting pushed back here, there, everywhere. And um, we were like, we're not going to invest all this money in the equipment and only be able to test hemp for like the next four years. It's probably not going to be profitable. So we held back on that. And that's when we had the opportunity when D8, D10 started hitting the market. We said, hey, let's make a company. There's no reason why not. And so we were already pretty much doing everything that you know, for other companies. So we had the ability and then we uh, just created that and just took it off running. We do all the trade shows, but our whole thing with the uh, curate is we try to make everything a medicinal purpose. Again, that's, we try to make the most high quality product and it has to have a medicinal purpose. That's what we're all about and just helping people. So, and Mimi got into the vape industry to help people with cigarettes. So, and ended up having to pivot into the CBD and, you know, and she's made it work. I'll tell you what, she's one of the only vape shops. And now we made a health and wellness. We have a cafe, a cannabis corner. We have everything in that store and completely made it a health and wellness shop. And because a vape shop just doesn't, just doesn't work in New Jersey anymore. And, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful building. It's an old bank from the 1900s. It's huge. It's 5,000 square foot retail shop. It's gorgeous. That's that. Riverside and Riverside, New Jersey. But um, yeah, so that's how we got into everything. So the Curate and then, so the D8, the D10, um, THCO and HHC products, they were legal in New Jersey. So we just started producing them. And then we went as far as producing the battery that we use our disposable cartridge. We changed all the air holes and the coils for each different distillate. And we made a no choke. And that's Mimi's a genius when it comes to that stuff. She loves the vape industry and just knows it inside and out. And literally, you can take our our pack, our cartridge, and we do it at uh, the conventions all the time. And I tell people, I open up a brand new one, hand them, and they pull as hard as you can, and you just blow out this beautiful smooth cloud. And people look at you like, yo, that's wild. That's never happened. And uh, it took a lot of like experimenting but we figured it out and uh, a lot of people try to white label them but we refuse to do it just because the, the batteries are so hard to get now if we had access to so much more product it would be easier but the material is just so limited anymore that we're not going to jeopardize not having material for us to do it for other big companies so we we do have the best battery i can promise you that is it is it a ceramic? Is it, it like um, I know that the Jupiter C cell was like the the state of the art for the vape industry, and then until the um, the entire vape world kind of came to a halt there for a while because people were doing it the wrong way, mm -hmm. and, and and it was a shame what was going on with that. But this is what's going to happen with the new industries that they're going to be people that are always looking to cut corners. This is human nature, right? It's just that that's how, that's because Delta 8 exists for a reason, right? <laughs> it's called greed and greed is always going to be there. So just know that there's always people that are going to be taking shortcuts, like you said, and trying to just make product to put it out there as fast as possible to try to make a profit and uh yeah you have to just pay attention consumer beware you gotta you really have to do your research on products and, and know what you're buying i mean if you go into a gas station and that's like your main supply you're probably not getting the greatest product you know what i mean so it's just 
you just have to know. And, and I know plenty of people that that's where they go. It's cheaper. It's, and I tell them like, Hey, it, there's a product for everybody. There's a high end product and a low end product. And that's why companies make them both. Was so that a knock on Florida getting their weed from, from gas stations? <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah. They just passed that on. They're going to start opening dispensaries or selling weed in gas stations. Sure, okay. At circle. Yeah. Circles. That's what it's called. Circle. Okay. I know it was a circle something. That's too funny. When does that start? It starts pretty soon or next year. When does it start? I don't know. It's gonna be pretty wild though. Like it is. That's, that's a huge distribution. That's that's crazy. I, Going to get gas and then being able to just roll in. And I think that's huge. Like the CBD. Like I've worked with uh, or I've spoken with uh, you know ex NFL players and they've gotten into like the Walgreens Rite Aid. Uh, they have the name, you know, whatever. But they, you know, they have the money but they don't have the distribution. And I think it's seriously lacking in terms of uh, priorities and how high it needs to be and how much of an impact it can have on your bottom line. And being in that uh, that series of, of product SKUs for Circle K can make or break uh, a company. Absolutely. And like you said, a company has to be set up that they can just produce quality product and tons of it or something like that because if not your product starts going down they're going to drop you quick when people start buying it because your your product quality is just a little less than it used to be because you're trying to make up the quality and distribute you know and the quantity and uh see so they're going to have to be very careful with, like but it is it's going to make big companies it's going to make some companies huge and they're going to do it right because they know the bottom line and the end of the road is going to be very, very prosperous. Do you know the way that it's manufactured, though? I've have had some concerns about uh, the THCO acetate and the, the Delta 9 and some of the acids and the way that it's washed. And, uh, you know, we would talk about health and wellness and everything. And, and yet there's these methods that aren't necessarily ideal. Um, can you walk us through that? I do understand the process on um, our product we deal with a lab out west and it's just one lab that we deal with we make sure we have the testing of the product when it comes in house and then we test everything ourselves and we make our product and then we test it again just to make sure that everything is just what it said it was what the what the company told us our distal it was to begin with and then when our end result because once you start making it and mixing it and heating it up it just becomes a different element so you have to make sure you're consistent and you still have that same distillate that you had when you brought it in in the door after you have made your product so we test it three times before it gets out the door and uh but as far as like the whole process i don't know the entire process i don't want to tell you something wrong um i understand that all right, but it's a uh, it's a pretty detailed process, and I just know that they some companies can get it down right. Where when you get it the product tested, there's almost no not no trace of anything in it. Um, and then I've seen companies that you get it and we haven't used the distillate we had tested prior to using it, and they told us it was something else and it was a quality and it wasn't, and we weren't able to use it. So it happens. I mean. And um, so, yeah, I don't know exactly the full process, but absolutely some companies are way better at making it perfect than others. And I'm where, sure it costs more, costs more money and time to make it better. Where are the, uh, on, where are the buyers coming from? Because you have an online platform, right? They're able to go in there and, and mm -hmm. buy it. 
are they domestic are they international like where where's the uh the buyers coming from well we have like i said we have a retail shop so we have foot traffic that generates there and then we do all the conventions so we used uh we're working with distribution as well distributors so we do get some online but we do a lot of distribution as well so we have traffic coming every which way and, all right uh, hey yeah. look at hey doug this has been great uh, because i love hearing what it's like in new states around the country every state is different um there's the little scuttlebutt in the uh in the room uh penny from i think she, i don't know I'm quite sure she's from michigan but uh she said doesn't need testing we don't need testing. We we were we were we were doing legacy consumption for years. We don't need any more time. And and I, I can't agree with her because that actually makes me feel better when I walk into a dispensary, know that it's been tested, and I know what I'm going to get, and I know that it's not going to have any mold in it because it is inspected. Or if there is a little mold in it, you don't. It doesn't. You can't find it. That's what I'm saying. But. Again, well, I'm talking other, from a medical dispensary card holder in Massachusetts. At, well, the other big thing with cannabis plant is when you grow it, um, it, it tends to suck up in the roots all the heavy metals in the soil. I know out west, a lot of wineries now rotate their crops with hemp to actually extract all the heavy metals and the contaminants in their soil and then go back, back to their grapes. Mm -hmm. So you also have to be careful of the contaminants in that nature as well. There's contaminants everywhere. And then you have growers that spray it with the whatever insect repellents and this, it's just so crazy. You just never know. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I believe in the testing. Like I said, sometimes you can send the same product to three different labs and get three different results. I like them to be pretty close to each other. If one's like way out in left field, I'm getting that product tested three more times because I want to know what's going on. But uh, generally, they're all pretty much in the ball, same ballpark. But like I said, you'll get different results and it's wild. But uh, I, I do like the testing because I do want to know what's in it as much exactly. as possible anyway. Exactly. Hey, uh, Doug Miller, thank you uh, so much for showing up today and, and joining us. Uh, you're welcome any old time. And uh, we're going to take our, our, our break here. And then on the other side, uh, we're going to be joined by two media people. And we're going to talk about how media looks at the cannabis industry. So don't go away. Green Rush Live continues after this. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.